Well, if you've never met me before, my name is Joe, and I get to serve as one of our pastors here, and I'm so grateful that you'd join us here on Sunday morning. <clears throat> Special welcome to you if you're a guest for the first time. We're so grateful to have you. And uh, last week when I was here, I was talking a lot about deception. That was sort of the word of the day. And today I want to talk about traction. And traction, you know, living in northern Ohio is a commodity. It's valuable, right? Uh, I'm at the age where falling on the ice isn't funny anymore. All right, you know, if you're in high school and one of your buddies falls, it's pretty funny, right? But if I fall, I'm either going to meet Jesus or meet my insurance deductible. And, you know, you're all familiar with driving on slippery roads, right? Like, I don't know about you, I thought winter was over, and now we're, I guess it was just fool's spring. But, you know, you're driving, and I used to have a, a big 4 by 4 truck, and it had, like, good tires, and I was like, I can go fast through the snow, and then I was like, I can't, I found out I can't stop any faster, All right, so I'm sliding, and maybe that's happened to you, you're driving, and it's icy, or you don't know it's icy, and you hit the brakes, you start sliding, you're like, oh, no, Jesus, take the wheel, and the brakes, and the keys, and everything, uh, this is not going to go well, right? Or, if you've played sports, especially football or soccer, and you got to play at Whitney Field before they put in the turf. I don't know if you've got to experience a mud game, but getting to serve as one of the football coaches, like that's always the best, right? I love watching the guys just get so muddy and I'm like praying for whoever has to wash those uniforms. And it's not that big of a deal, you know, if it's a muddy, slippery game and it's like a regular season high school game. But if it's the Super Bowl, it's kind of a big deal. And this past year, there was an article by the Associated Press that was entitled this, Super Bowl 2023, slippery conditions at State Farm Stadium in Phoenix. It said the field at State Farm Stadium turned into a Super Bowl slip and slide. And it was so bad that the players had to try different pairs of cleats in order to gain traction. They were still slipping all over the place, right? It's not good if you're slipping and sliding around at the Super Bowl. Now, I'm a Browns fan, so I don't have to worry about this. (laughs) But, you know, if you're a fan of, like, a good football team... It's not cool when it happens, right? It just goes to show that you can train all you want. You can, have, you can be a good driver. You can have four-wheel drive. But, but if you can't stay on your feet, if you can't maintain traction, it's going to affect the game. It's going to affect your life. If you can't maintain, tra- if you can't maintain traction, you're going to get pushed or pulled in a direction you probably don't want to go. And this isn't just true in sports and driving. This is true in life, especially in our spiritual life when it comes to following Jesus, to living the Christian life. And this is relevant today because we've been talking in this series for the couple weeks now about the armor of God, which starts in Ephesians 6.11, where Paul says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. So standing firm, right? Traction. That's why this is important. So he's saying that we need to put on the armor in order that we can stand firm. Well, last week we looked at the belt of truth, which was more of a girdle. It was an undergarment that held everything together. And then the body armor or breastplate of righteousness that protected you from attacks from the enemy. But what we're going to talk about today has even greater significance when it comes to standing firm. Because if we're going to stand firm, we, be, we need to be wearing the right shoes or the right boots. And so we're going to talk about the boots or the shoes 
of peace. And uh, this is perfect for me because I collect shoes. I've got way more shoes than any 42-year-old man should have. It's, it's just, it's embarrassing, right? But we're going to talk about shoes today, and we're going to be in Ephesians 6.15. So if you have your Bible um, with you, go ahead and open it to Ephesians 6. And uh, if you want to use the version app, feel free to do that. We'll also have the text on the screen for you too. But this is our key verse, and it says this. Paul writes, for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. And so Paul was reminding the, the Ephesians, and he's reminding us that whether it's a football game or it's a spiritual battle, if you can't stand firm, if we don't stand firm, if we can't keep our footing, we're going to struggle or we're going to even lose the battle. And so for our remaining time together, I want us to consider four really important words that are in this. And those are this. It's peace is the first one. And then good news, <clears throat> put those together. And then prepared. So let's remember that Paul here is talking about the armor of God because he's equating the Christian life with, with warfare, right? He is not talking about the Christian life as being a walk in the park. This is not the prosperity gospel. This is war. And, and he's talking about an all-out spiritual battle, but he says that we're to put on our feet the shoes of peace. Well, if he's talking about war, then why are we talking about the shoes of peace? Well, I think we've got to define peace first. During our previous message in Galatians, we looked at the fruit of God's spirit. One of those was peace. And we defined peace this way, that peace was confidence and rest in God's control, not our control. And so Paul is saying that if we really want to be prepared and be able to stand our ground in the battle, what we really need is peace. And that peace is possible even in the middle of a battle. And when you're feeling attacked, whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, it's because there is a real enemy who is attacking us whenever and wherever there's a weakness. So, but, but Paul is saying that even during battle, even during those times when you're, being, when you're being attacked, we can be at peace. Peace in God's power over the situation. So he says for shoes, put on peace, which means, so he's saying put on peace, which means that it's not something that we have already. It's not something inside of us. If I tell, you know, one of the football players, like, hey, game's starting in 30 minutes, get your cleats on. He's not going to be like, no, coach, I have like inner cleats. Like, no, just put your shoes on, right? This is, Paul is not saying he needed to like look deep inside and find some inner peace. He's saying, no, you don't have this. You need to put this on. So, so put on your armor. When you go into battle, every, which is every day, we need to get dressed. And just like every day you put on your shoes, hopefully, uh, you know, you need to put on peace. Well, where do we find these shoes of peace? It says this, the peace that comes from the good news. This is a peace that comes from good news. So this Greek word for, for good news is euangelon, which is where we get the word gospel, which just means good news. The gospel means good news. And so when you're talking about Jesus, you're not sharing your faith. You're sharing good news. You know, in this world, people are like, I don't want to hear about your faith. Give me some news, right? In this crazy world, tell me something good. Give me some good news. This gospel, the good news, should affect every part of our life. Well, you've got to know what the good news is if it's going to affect your life. The good news, the gospel, is this, that eternal life is available by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. By grace alone. What is grace? 
by grace alone means that this is an un that this is unmerited favor by God that you did nothing to earn this not only are we undeserving of this but we are ill-deserving of this but yet God because of his goodness looked at you and he looked at me and all of our mess and all of our rebellion and all of our sin chose to extend his love his grace to you and we did nothing to deserve it the second one is through faith alone that is through believing and entrusting our lives and eternity to Jesus it is not faith plus something else it is not faith plus good behavior it is not faith plus morality it's not faith plus church attendance we as christians love to just make the gospel difficult we subtly try to just add stuff on it's like yeah you got to believe but then also like you got to act right now i'm not saying that the gospel shouldn't elicit life change but it the life change isn't what makes you believe the life change is because you believe you don't, you don't act a certain way in order to believe. You, you act a certain way because you believe. When you truly understand who Jesus is and what he did for you, that should change your life. And then the following one is that in Christ alone, that it is entrusting that only Jesus can forgive us and save us and give us eternal life because of what he accomplished through the cross and resurrection. It's said that there is no other name by which men are saved, by which, by which people are saved. Jesus said this, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying there's one way. And I know that that's not politically correct or, or tolerant or inclusive, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Jesus said, I am the way. So, Paul in Romans says, therefore, since we have been made right by, in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So if we're going to put on the shoes of peace every day, we have to remind ourselves, because we're very forgetful, that we are forgiven, that we are free, and that we have been guaranteed eternal life through Jesus Christ, through faith in him. So the shoes of peace come from understanding that God's in control. And we have this peace because of what Jesus has done. And, and you can have this peace no matter what's going on. Because one of my favorite verses is Romans 8.28, which says that we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. So here's what this is saying. That in all things, I don't know what your life was like or what your week was like. I don't know if you had a great week. Maybe you got promoted. Maybe you got a new car. Maybe your kids, you know, finally passed the class. Maybe they made the team. Whatever it is, maybe things are just going awesome. Or maybe your week was just garbage. You know, you got a terrible diagnosis from the doctor. You know, your finances are not well. You're probably going to lose your job. You got to move. Whatever. This says that in all things, even attacks from Satan, that God causes them to work for good. That means, so that means that no matter what is happening, God is in control. God causes them to work for good. For who? Because there's a limitation to this. It says God causes all things to work for good for those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. It implies here that, God, that those who love God, those who are reconciled to God through Christ, are the people that God works all things for their good. 
does not include everyone. So if you're here and you don't have peace, I have to ask you, do you know Jesus? Have you been reconciled by God to God through faith in Christ? Because if not, you'll never have peace. Sure, you might, you know, maybe the sun is shining and your bills are paid and it's a great day and how long does that last? Half a day at the most, usually before something else goes wrong. You might have moments of peace, but you're always gonna be unsettled, never knowing if you have peace with God. And remember that this is peace that we need because life is a battle. I think we all know that life is a battle. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but if you're like me, there's days when I'm like halfway through and I'm like, Jesus, can you just come back today? Please, like this stinks, you know? It feels like life is against us because there's a real enemy out there. Paul says peace is what we put on our feet so that we can stand our ground. Peace that reassures you that no matter what is happening, God loves you, he has forgiven you, he is in control, he is good, and he is with you. He is with you. And it's peace that comes from personally believing and trusting in the good news. Paul himself deeply believed this. And so even when he was in jail, even when Paul was in jail, Paul had a real problem staying out of jail. When he was in jail and when he came close to the end of his life, he didn't live in fear because he had peace. And I think what Paul is saying here is that we are, we are in the battle. When we, whether we live or die, we can have peace. And that's why Paul could write these words. In his second letter to Timothy, he says this, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. Again, using that imagery of war. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. Even at the end of his life, Paul has peace. And so he tells you and he tells me and he tells the Ephesians to put on those shoes of peace. Peace that only comes from believing the good news. And that wearing these shoes of peace are going to help us to be fully prepared. This word prepared here is the word hedoimasia, which could mean preparation, foundation, firm footing, readiness. And because this word is only used one time right here in the New Testament, there's some debate around its, around its original meaning or intention. Well, when that happens, we have to look at the context to understand the meaning of the word. And honestly, from the context here, I think that Paul is, is alluding to two things. I believe that he's saying that, that the gospel shoes of peace provide both stability and mobility. And the shoes of peace that Paul was talking about were probably less like boots or shoes and more like sandals. And I'm like, sandals? Are you kidding me? Like, why don't you just wear hey dudes to war? All right? If you don't know what hey dudes are, they're the new Crocs. And listen, I'm going to hate on hey dudes for a minute. Pastor Charles got a pair once. I'm like, what are you wearing? He's like, they're so comfortable. I'm like, yeah, slippers are comfortable. What are they, like casual hospital shoes? I mean, they're great for mall walking or napping or something like that. But, like, my problem is some of the football players will show up to weightlifting, and I'm like, come on, man. You're lifting in your socks now. You're not lifting in those things, right? Anyway, these, these are not like flip-flops, these sandals that Paul is talking about. These were, these were not primarily for protection, but they were more for about stability and mobility. They were light. 
They were breathable, so if they, you know, if they got wet or a soldier had to walk through mud, they would dry quickly. Uh, their leather straps would wrap around their ankles to provide stability. And the sandals had spikes in the, body, in the bottom of them, so they were really more like football cleats. And when you think about it, football cleats are important for both offense and defense. You know, um, so let's talk about offense. For, for, the, for the offensive line, they need cleats so that they can be stable. They need to hold back the defenders so that they can protect the ball carrier. If you are a ball carrier, whether you know, you're a running back or, or a tight end or a wide receiver, you need cleats for mobility so you can move quickly, so you can turn on a dime, so you can avoid the defenders and then move down the field to score points. So cleats were important because... because you know, in the spiritual battle, you need cleats so that you can maintain your ground so the enemy isn't pushing you or pulling you in a direction that you don't want to go. And, and the gospel shoes are important, too, because not only are we just supposed to hold our ground, but we are supposed to move forward. So this whole talk about the gospel shoes of peace and all of this armor of God and putting it on, and maybe you're sitting here and you're asking the question like, okay, I get it, but why is this important? Why is this important? The reason is this. There is a time when we need to stand firm and hold our ground, but there is also a time when we need to advance forward to be on offense to carry the gospel to others who don't know about Jesus. So it's to be fully prepared to defend ourselves, to stay put, to stay faithful, and to stay strong, and to stay secure in the middle of the battle that happens every single day to us as followers of Jesus. So that we don't lose our footing, we don't lose our ground. But I believe it's so that we can also be fully prepared to not just stand our ground, but to move forward and gain ground. And even more specifically, to move forward with the gospel. Certainly as Paul was talking about the gospel shoes, I'm, just, I'm pretty sure that in his mind would have been the words of the prophet Isaiah. Because Paul knew the scriptures. Isaiah 52.7 says this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings what? Good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. Gotquestions.org, which is a great resource, explains it this way. Isaiah prophetically sees the messengers bringing their joyous good news to a sad and forsaken land. After a long, weary time of seeing Jerusalem in ruins, news would finally come of Judah's redemption. The prophet could even now see the bearers of the news running on the Judean mountainsides. Peace and salvation were on the way. And not only is this, is this passage found here, but it's also repeated by the prophet Nahum and then by the apostle Paul himself in Romans 10, referring specifically to those who bring the good news of the gospel so that they can respond with belief and faith. Paul goes on, he says this, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right word so that I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador, so pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. You see, the reason that this is important is because the reason we need the gospel shoes of peace is for two reasons. One, for stability. So that when we are being attacked, by the real enemy, there is a real enemy whether you realize it or believe it. There is a real enemy trying to push us and pull us in ways that we don't want to go, that we are not called to go. And we need the shoes of peace so that we can maintain our ground and remain faithful to Jesus and to our calling. 
but they are also important because we are on offense as well. To go into a broken and hurting world as God's agents of his healing and transforming grace and to share the good news of the gospel with those who don't know it. And so what does that look like? How do you do this? How do you get these shoes on? Well, to figure that out, to help you to understand what this looks like today or tomorrow or Wednesday or next week, I'm going to ask a couple questions, some uncomfortable questions, which is okay. We spend most of our lives trying to be comfortable. I got about 30 minutes once a week to try to get you out of that comfort zone. So I want to ask you this. Where are your feet slipping? Where are you being attacked where you feel like you're wavering, you're getting hit, and maybe you're losing some ground in your spiritual journey? Satan tempting you with some old habits. Maybe there was a time when you started following Jesus and you, God, through his grace, freed you from some habits that were unhealthy or destructive to you or to, some, to other people, and you were committed to that. But now it's been a few years, right? It's kind of like, eh, is it really that big of a deal? And so you find yourself kind of going back into these things again, maybe doing some things that you swore you wouldn't ever do. Uh, is Satan causing you... Is he using discontentment to cause you to covet? Maybe you're sort of unhappy with how God is running your life and you see your neighbor or your coworker and things are going great and now you're bitter. Is Satan causing you to point out to see all of the negatives in your spouse or in your kids or in your coworkers or in your neighbors or in your boss or in your friends? Is uh, Satan causing you to be disgruntled with things that don't really matter, right? Not that they're not important, but in the grand scope of things, is he causing you to get disgruntled with maybe things here at the chapel or things in our government or things in the world? Again, things that are important, but they're not the most important thing. And you spend more of your time being angry about those than you do caring about other people. Have you neglected church or small group or chair time? Because, I mean, I get it. We are very, very busy. Are you minimizing some stuff in your life, maybe blaming others for it? Are you self-absorbed and absent when you really should be present and self-giving? Are you, are you like me and you're still spending your time and your resources and your money trying to prove yourself to other people when Jesus, when God the Father already said that you are his child with whom he loves and is well-pleased? Do you care more about comfort than living dangerously for Christ? Because... Satan is so deceitful that he will use anything, even good things, to push you where you're not called to go, to take you away from the most important thing. And so my challenge for you today, sometime today, to take a moment, to get away for 10 minutes, and to ask God, God, where in my life am I losing ground? And God, would you give me the courage and the ability to put on the shoes of peace. And that comes through remembering. We are very forgetful, but when we remember what Jesus has done for us, that gives us peace and courage to hold our ground. The second one is this, is who is God calling me to move toward with the gospel? Who is God placed in your life that you have a burden for? Maybe it's a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, a classmate, or a friend that you know, because maybe they've said it, that they don't have a relationship with Jesus, or, you know, it really doesn't seem like they have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe they just don't care, right? And you really want them to know Jesus. But let me ask you this. How are you treating that person? 
Do they get grace or do they get judgment from you? Do they get love or do they get condemnation? Are you more concerned with fixing that person's behavior than them knowing Jesus? Have you made it your job to sort of get their life cleaned up, something that only Jesus can do? Here's why I ask that question, because there's an interesting account in the beginning of the Gospel of John about Andrew and his brother Simon, who Simon later becomes Peter. And Andrew had been following Jesus in, for some amount of time in some context, and he wanted his brother Simon to experience what he was experiencing with Jesus. And, and, and maybe Simon was a mess. He probably was. Peter was, you know, Simon was very impulsive. Maybe he was a mess. Maybe he was in trouble. You know, maybe there was some things going on. Maybe he was struggling. Maybe there was sin, all of these things. But no matter what was going on, Simon, or Andrew just wanted Simon to know Jesus. And so here's what happens. John 1, verse 42, short verse, it says this, then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Andrew knew that he couldn't fix Simon, but he knew that Jesus could. So he didn't give Simon a self-help book. He didn't take him to a hypnosis seminar. There was no, hey, five steps to a better you, you know, social media post that I found. It wasn't, there weren't any passive aggressive comments. He wasn't texting him scripture all day. He just brought Simon to Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to do. So I want to leave you today with one more challenge. I want you to do three things. Out in the atrium, you may have seen this giant banner that has that verse. And it has one hand pulling another hand. Maybe there's someone in your life who you know they just need to meet Jesus, right? Here's what we want you to do. There's some markers out there. We want you to go out there and just write their first name. Just their first name. Please don't write their last name, their phone number, their address. We're not going to go. <laughs> We're not sending a pastor over. Just write their first name. That's the first thing. Second thing, we want you to pray for them. Because we are committed as pastors and as staff and as our elder board that we are going to be praying for that person too. And then we want you to move forward with the gospel. Maybe that's having a cup of coffee with them. Maybe that's taking them out for dinner. Maybe it's inviting them over. Maybe it's inviting them to a church service. Because we're in a couple weeks going to give you a really cool way to invite someone to Easter. And we know that, you know, the, the chapel doesn't save people. But the chapel has been the catalyst that God has used to save numerous people, me included. And maybe that's your move. So one, write their name. Two, pray for them. And three, extend an invitation. Take them to meet Jesus. That's what we're called to do. To put on the shoes of peace so that we have stability to stand our ground. To remain faithful to Jesus in our calling but also that we can have mobility to move towards others with the gospel. Let me pray for us. Father, we know that Satan was ultimately defeated when Jesus died on the cross, that sin and death were put away. But we know that Satan has still been allowed by you to have power in this world. And you have called us to stand against those attacks. But you have not left us unequipped. God, you have given us armor. But we have to put that on. We have to be willing and we have to be courageous enough to put that on and enter into battle. So, Father, help each, each of us to daily put on the shoes of peace. 
to daily remember the gospel, to daily remember that we are forgiven and loved and we are assured eternal life. And so that through that, we would have the courage to stand firm and to go forward with that great news to other people. Father, help us to live in light of that. Help us to put on those shoes this week. In your name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hope you have an awesome week. Be sure to stop out in the atrium and write someone's name on the banner.